Well, hello and welcome back once again to In the Growth Space. I'm your host and growth coach, David McLennan. I'm super grateful that you're here and I'm really excited about this particular episode. I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you. So today I have a guest on and an interview, a conversation really, I hate to call them interviews, but it's really a conversation with a new friend of mine named Melanie Texador. Now, Melanie has over 10 years of evolving leadership experience in higher education where she honed her passion for helping people succeed at the individual and organizational levels. Now, her ability to develop leaders is apparent, and you're going to hear this in her conversation and some of the things that she shares today, but especially around experiential learning moments. She's got some really great tools and tips, especially around imposter syndrome. Take some notes around her comments around imposter syndrome, and I'll come back at the end and, and share some of my thoughts, but I, I really like that component or that part of the conversation. She's got some really practical tips. So, but today, Melanie is pursuing her PhD in organizational leadership, and she plans to continue teaching leadership skills and develop uh, organizational systems for, for individuals and, and teams and companies. And um, I, I just, it's such a great conversation. And, and I want you to know too, that we can learn from all of these conversations. And that's really why I've been bringing these conversations to our podcast so that I can, quite frankly, so that I can learn from some of these individuals and, and also then just sharing that learning with you as well. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Melanie Texador. Melanie, welcome to In the Growth Space. Really grateful to have you here today. Um, uh, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation, actually. Yeah, me too. Me too. You know, I know that you have been involved with a lot of, of, of business growth and organizational growth and, and learning within organizations. Tell, tell us, tell the listeners a, a little bit about your background and, and some of the, the things that you've been working on. Sure. So I have worked in higher education for over 10 years, but while working in higher education, I have found that I am most passionate about helping leaders and helping leaders develop and organizations develop and the culture, uh, organizational culture develop. And so um, after working in higher education for 10 years, I decided to go for my PhD in organizational leadership. And while I'm doing that, I left higher education for a little bit just to go ahead and focus on nonprofit organizations and working oh, yeah. with organizations in their strategic planning, leadership development, professional development. And so that's kind of what I've been doing lately, other than lots of schoolwork. I've been <laughs> yeah. working with various nonprofit organizations, churches, um, for-profit organizations, and still dipping into higher education here and there and working on these foundational leadership development pieces. Oh, that's that's fantastic. What do you see as some of the, the key challenges to organizations when they're wanting to grow and they're wanting the organization really to develop? What are what are some of the hurdles? Yeah, so it's interesting. And one thing that you'll start to learn about me is that I love experiential learning. And so yeah, yeah. I'm going to want to talk about that. But sure. before you can start diving into things like experiential learning and growth, you have to overcome some of these other trials. And one of the things that I've really found within 
all of the organizations, nonprofit, higher education, for-profit, is there is this underlying theme of uh, the imposter syndrome. And I know that that is something that is been talked about amongst organizations and leaders, um, but it's not talked about enough when it's personally applied. So the imposter syndrome is like a collection of feelings of inadequacy that Mm -hmm. persists despite evident success. So despite all the external proof of competence, there is this intellectual fraudulence that a leader feels. For instance, I worked with a a leader who had been a CEO of a company for 20 years, and he came to me um, afterwards and said, you know, it's interesting. I started this company and I feel really confident about my abilities, but there are times where I look around the room and everyone that works within my organization has a degree or more, and I don't. And so I suddenly start to question myself as to whether or not I am capable of leading them because I don't have the credentials. And that is something that a lot of leaders struggle with, even at the CEO level. If you do research, people like Tom Hanks, Sonia Sotomayor, Shonda Rhimes, they all have been uh, in different interviews saying that they also struggle with imposter syndrome. So this is not something that is foreign. This is across the board, despite what kind of organization leaders are struggling with this imposter syndrome. And the reason why that's so important to point out is because that can inhibit growth. Yeah. For both you personally as a leader and for your organization, because if you are stuck in this imposter syndrome feeling or this feeling of inadequacy, that's overriding and possibly deterring your your judgment. And so before I do anything uh, with organizations, I want to call that out. Yeah. And so we'll we'll do various uh, activities because I love experiential learning. And one of yeah. the activities that I do with them is naming the imposter. I love that. And what we do <laughs> is I, I ask them to do that, just that. I ask them to name the imposter. So Patricia Wehrhain, she has this framework. This It's moral imagination, usually used for ethical, solving ethical problems. And so okay. she, t- she tells you to see it clearly, see it differently, and then solve it creatively. Huh. And I think this still goes along with naming the imposter. If we can name it yeah. and, then, and then reframe it, we can create something different before we walk into these, what we feel are impossible situations sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so what I typically ask them to do, and this is just a little side trick for anyone uh, listening, if they want to do this with their team, a little experiential learning activity is I ask them to name that imposter. Is Uh it fear? Mm -hmm. Is it doubt? Is it um, a feeling of inadequacy, like I shared? Is it shame or unworthiness? Like, what is that? And where does that come from? And just Mm. think through it and name it. Sometimes it's a fear of sounding unintelligent, or it's a fear of embarrassing yourself, or whatever that may, may be. Name it and write it down, just big, bold letters on a piece of paper. And then I ask them, set that aside for a second, and then name three things on three different sticky notes Three things that you have already accomplished. And people Mm. will name things like degrees, of course, uh, but they'll also name things like running a marathon or raising children or things that are obviously difficult, um, but that they have accomplished. Then I ask them to name three other things that motivate them. What what wakes you up in the morning? You know, you had a a previous podcast on knowing your why. And so being able to pull that back out again and name three Mm -hmm. things that motivate you. Yeah, yeah. And then what I do is I ask them to put those sticky notes on top of that word. 
Uh, And what this is doing is this is acknowledging that that imposter, that fear or doubt, it's not going to go away just because you named it. It's still there. Mm -hmm. But you're intentionally putting your accomplishments and your motivation ahead of that. Gosh, that is great. You're reframing it before you walk into these uh, meetings or these conversations or these presentations. You're saying, I am capable of this because I have already accomplished these things. And someone somewhere thought I was uh, intelligent enough to put me <laughs> in this position in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's such a great activity. And it, it's not, it kind of feels silly sometimes, especially to some bigger leaders. But it gets that out of the way mm-hmm. to allow for growth. Gosh, I, I really love that practical step because I, I talk to leaders all the time who struggle with the, you know, the, the thing we call imposter syndrome or imposter experience, as, as Amy mm-hmm. Cuddy uh, calls it. And I think this is really a practical step to be able to really be intentional with and almost visually putting it in its place, so to speak, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. How has that been received by by leaders that you've worked with? What's been the impact? Yeah, it's interesting because it varies. Some people love that kind of thing and they they they're not taking the time as an organization to think through one, what is inhibiting my growth personally and what is inhibiting mm-hmm. this organizational growth. They're not taking mm. the time to reflect on that. And so that's that's one thing that I get away from that is when people come talk to me afterwards, they're like, what I really appreciate is that we took the time to just think through this. Yeah. Because even if I'm not necessarily connecting with it, I can see the organization is stuck in this feeling of we don't have enough resources to do what we want. And that's what we're focusing on. So we are dismissing our mission right now. So even organizationally, People are starting to see like, so there are things like imposter syndrome or there are things that are inhibiting us from growing. And we can't even have the conversation of growth until we name these these inhibitors. Yeah, I think you just hit on something too. not only just naming the inhibitors, but actually taking the time to sit and think. I, I know too often we're we're always I say we, but a lot of businesses and business leaders are just wanting to keep moving forward as fast as we possibly can. And, and it there's this myth that fast is better. And 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 in reality, yes, fast is good, but also intentionality is better. Absolutely. And, and taking the time out to be able to think about these things, I, I think there's a lot of uh, leaders who discount that need, don't you? Absolutely. And I, I see that all the time. And that's why when I talk about experiential learning, people are like, oh, we're going to do uh, a bunch of activities. You're, they're going to make us get up and do all these things. But if you look at like David Kolb's cycle of experiential learning, he actually put in the cycle time for reflection. Mm, yeah. So it's not just the experience. And sometimes people think that experiential learning is a uh, study abroad trips and ropes courses, team builders, <laughs> things like that, which, you know, all of those things are, those are fun. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they serve other purposes, but it doesn't have to be that way. It just has to be a concrete experience that can happen within the classroom, within a training environment, just mm-hmm. an experience, but then it has to be followed by reflection. Yeah. Because what happens in that reflection time is that 
people have just had an engaging and authentic experience that they need to personally reflect on Mm -hmm. in order to get their thoughts around what just happened, what they just experienced. And then they come back together and they pull concepts out of it. They pull themes out of what they experienced. And depending on the experience, everybody's going to take away something different from that. So when you put experiential learning into an organization, The people within the organization, the members or the followers, however you may um, indicate those, they end up feeling like they're more a part of the conversation instead of just being talked at and told what to do next. It's not it's not as a a training. It's more of a interaction. Mm. And that reflection period allows everyone to take away from it what they experience and then give voice to that. And be able to say, well, I pulled this out of this experience, which is completely different than what maybe the leader pulled out of it. So like one of the things I love to do with organizations is I ask them to make their big wish list. Uh-huh. If you had ultimate, like all the resources, what would be your big wishes for your organization? And it's interesting because I'll ask all of the people in the room and it's if they invite the majority of their organization, sometimes even invite customers or stakeholders, other people like that. So when they're all doing these big wish lists, the leaders will hear some of those big wish list items and be like, well, those are things that I can provide. But the the other people didn't didn't even know that. And so it's getting this these ideas just out there. And then that final step of actively implementing it. So then, okay, so we had this discussion after we had an experience and everybody reflected on it. We pulled out these themes and concepts. So now what? Well, we Mm -hmm. can actually do some of these things. We can actually go and implement some of these things that I didn't know you all needed until we had Mm -hmm. this experience together. Yeah, yeah. It it seems to me that the the experiential learning offers the ability for everyone in the organization to in in a lot of ways be empowered and Absolutely. to really be empowered to think and to contribute their best thinking, their best efforts and their best energy to the growth of the organization and moving it forward. I mean, am I seeing things right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's exactly what it is. And it's, it's getting everyone personally to critically think through their role and their place in that organization, but it's mm-hmm. giving them the opportunity to speak into the, the goals and mission of that organization. And it just builds such a cohesiveness amongst the team that if it's, it becomes a habit of that culture, the whole organization can be transformed. And that's kind of my goal when working with these organizations is not just to come in and do a training, but it's to help them see the impact of that one training that had on their team. And hopefully Mm -hmm. they begin to want to insert experiential learning, more reflection time, more dream time for their team to continue building that culture and that cohesion. Yeah. You just used a word, the cohesion, cohesion, cohesive teams, I know is such an element of, of growth and being able to grow in, in a very uh, sometimes exponential way. How do you help teams really get that cohesion? Well, of course, it goes back to breaking down some of those barriers, right? Yeah, um, yeah. One of the things about doing uh, the imposter syndrome exercise or even doing other exercises like that, it helps create a vulnerable space. So people end up being more authentic in that space and we Mm -hmm. kind of get rid of, and I know this isn't always easy and it's not always, um, there's not always the ability to do this, but the titles are are not present in that Mm -hmm. space. 
Mm-hmm. We're people who are working toward a common goal. Mm-hmm. And we all believe in this mission because we're all here. And so we're all going to have this conversation as peers that want the same thing. And so when you break down those barriers and you allow for a space of vulnerability, transparency, and authenticity, then you start to see people really speak their speak the truth of what their experience is and what yeah. they want for the mission and for the organization. And it allows for that cohesion to happen. So some of it is just those relationships that haven't had time to build. And, you know, mm. it's interesting because as we're like working through this season of the pandemic, yeah, we are coming back to, we're just now getting to a place where organizations are starting to ramp back up and get into another regular scheduled normalcy, I guess. They're so focused on, okay, we need to get back to making a standard amount of money or making producing enough. They're so busy with the day-to-day trying to get that back on track that mm-hmm. they're forgetting that the relationships are what build the organization in the first place. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. So this is more of a question that kind of popped into my head just now is how do you get companies to start thinking like this though? And to think more like, yes, I know we've got to produce you know, X number of widgets. And I know we've got to get, you know, our top line revenue and our, and our EBITDA numbers going, but how do we really, how do we get people to think and and have some kind of a rhythm of being able to, to really think more deeply about these issues? Right. And that's, it's tricky because of what your organization, what is the purpose of your organization and what are the priorities of that organization? You know, these conversations are helpful. Sometimes it's just not in the forefront of their mind. The bottom line mm. is in the forefront of their mind. The needs yeah. of the stakeholders is in the forefront of their mind, but sure. they don't see the direct impact. They don't get that uh, immediate affirmation of this is worth it. That's why you, you saw throughout the pandemic, the first things to go were contractors and trainings that did just this because that's more of a long-term discussion and goal. And you see that progress over time. You see the culture change over time. So that kind of got put to the side because they had to preserve for their day-to-day. And I get that, but we have to start prioritizing this again. And it's having these conversations and being able to show even just with one training, our friend, Steve Gallagher, one of the things that him and I talk about a lot is if we could just get one session with a team and show them the difference in just how they interact with one another after that session, they could see the value in how that's going to impact their bottom line, how that's actually going to impact the culture of their organization. But because it's not in the forefront, really the things that shake people up is when they get bad evaluations of the organization or when they have uh, something hit their human resources department and then they're suddenly like, okay, we need someone to come in and kind of help us with whatever's happening here. That's suddenly when they're like, okay, we we need to step back and think about these things, but I don't want it to get to that point. I want them to start thinking about it now so that their members know that they are heard and cared for and Mm -hmm. that they can build this culture and cohesion within their team so that their organization continues to grow and they continue to thrive as leaders rather than waiting for something to fall in order to fix it. Yeah, that's, that's so key, Melanie. Leaders have to recognize that when their people are really fully engaged and when their people are thriving, that's when they're going to get the best out of their people. And and it's not that we want to get something out of our people, but that's the best contribution towards our mission, right? And being proactive about this 
stepping away and really thinking more deeply about what it is that we're trying to accomplish and overcoming the obstacles that are getting in our way. I, I really think that more organizations ought to be thinking about this. And so that's really one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I know how valuable this is. And, and I know that you've had a lot of experience in, in helping organizations be able to, to, to overcome these things. What, what have been some of the like, I don't know if you can speak to this or not, but what have been some of the results of, of being able to overcome some of these obstacles and, and really overcome some of the challenges of imposter syndrome and, and the, the, the challenges that we've been talking about? Yeah, some of them are really immediate. So I start to hear back from people who are a part of the training or leaders that were a part of the training that just said, this brought to light a lot of relationships that I need to work on. Mm. Um, it brought to light my ability or inability to speak up and put a uh, voice to the things that I value and that I'm passionate yeah. about that I think will actually help this organization. Like what is holding me back from doing that? So some of it was immediate and it was a personal feeling of I have room to grow and this is the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's been great. But um, organizationally, I've seen them integrate systems, like better systems uh, of communication, better systems of uh, how are we going to come together regularly and discuss these types of things so that mm-hmm. we don't lose this momentum. And so yeah. while maybe they don't continue to bring me into the picture, they are now creating systems and patterns that are helpful for their organization. And that has been the best compliment is yeah. that if I can leave you and you're creating a new and better habit, then that is going to help your organization. And that's ultimately the goal. So the results are not so much, oh, suddenly your organization is so, so successful. (laughs) It's more of the, I love hearing the personal stories of growth, but then seeing that they are creating these systems and these um, different habits that are helping their organization Uh, be sustainable, keeping this momentum going beyond whatever conversation we started with. I'm so glad that you talked about that because I think that the the systems of communication and and having a new system of communication is, uh, I think, is a key for every organization. I mean, so many, if not all of of the organizations that I go into, communication is is a key factor. And, and communication isn't just a one-way street. It's a, it's a dialogue and it is a cycle. It's a process, right? Right. And that's that uh, cycle of feedback is needed, but we get so stuck on this hierarchy of, I'm going to report what we just discussed down to my direct reports, and then they'll report it down to their direct reports that they don't create time for the feedback to come back up. Come back up. Yeah. Right. And so, and so these systems of communication are helping that come full circle. It's a, it's a constant feedback loop and it allows for people to speak into some of the top decisions. Now it's made clear that that doesn't mean that we're going to change our direction because there's this feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, It just means that we're creating a space for everyone to be heard and for ideas to be shared that we might not have thought of at the top level. Yeah, so interesting. I'm working with an organization right now where the that feedback is really revealing some things that you just said, like the, the top leaders hadn't thought about certain things. And because they're getting this feedback, now they're able to really see things in a different way and say to themselves, gosh, we really never saw that before. We didn't realize. And 
it's it's so funny to me because you would think that they could see certain things, but because that feedback is coming back to them, it's really helping to open their eyes to what's really going on in the organization. And I think that that is a, a key factor for helping companies to grow is really not being afraid of that feedback. Absolutely. And it's funny to me because when you think of an organization and from an outsider's perspective, you think the organization is a body. And there's this is not a way for us to say the leaders are not being considerate because that's that's not true. It's that we are we're forgetting the other body parts. So oh, the yeah. leaders have this vision and they have the ability to make some pretty big decisions and they know which way to go and they have specific skill sets for their position. Mm-hmm. But the people who are on the ground doing some of the work also have a skill set. Yeah. And so we forget to tap into all parts of the body of the organization, yeah. knowing that the people at the top or the people making the bigger decisions, the leaders are going to have a different perspective because they don't see some of the day-to-day things that are happening. Yeah. But the people who are doing the day-to-day are also not understanding the pressures of the leaders. And so it's not a, oh, who has a better idea or who's making these decisions over another. It's Uh, collectively, we're all bringing a different perspective. And if we're looking at wanting to meet the mission of the organization, we need all of those perspectives. We need the body to work together. In my mind, as you were talking, that's exactly the thought that came to my mind is that if we want to accomplish our mission, if we want to keep striving to really see this mission accomplished, it's we have to be able to work together as a as a body as an organization yeah that's that's okay how important is emotional intelligence to this whole process for leaders to be able to to receive the feedback and then implement the feedback. And then I know you're, you're smiling because like, I, I, you know where I'm headed, but I, I just like, I, I just think that that emotional intelligence has to be super important. Oh, absolutely. And I love that you did a whole segment on emotional intelligence for that reason, because yeah. just like the beginning, when I talked about the imposter syndrome and having to name that before you can have that growth and that yeah. discussion, emotional inte- intelligence plays into that as well. Yeah. Um, understanding how you're receiving feedback, how you're giving feedback, understanding that certain words or certain things might hit you differently than it hits yeah. other people. And, and even as a leader, being able to understand that within your room, within your organization within that space, what you do is going to take on different forms for different people. Mm -hmm. So acknowledging that before you start making these decisions and start um, having these trainings is important, but emotional intelligence is what drives all of this. It's it's how we're going to hear it and how we're going to receive it and then what we're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that you bring that up because it is is such a core to some of these organizations, but a lot of times they don't talk about that either because that again is one of those things that, well, why do I need to know this? And what does it do to help my bottom line? Or what does it do to help my organization to grow? But ultimately, it's just going to give them a different perspective as to how to have some of these harder conversations and these planning meetings. You know, Edgar Sheen uh, talks about humble inquiry. And it's more, uh, it's the art of conversation, right? And we think, oh, well, you know, conversation and communication. I've been a leader for however many (laughs) years. I can do this easily. But he talks about, no, you intentionally are asking questions because you want to know, not because you're seeking an answer. Oh, yeah. Right? And so it's something as simple as being able to have conversations and ask 
intentional questions to the members of your organization to get the actual feedback that you need for your organization to thrive. And you won't even, you'll miss it if you aren't Mm -hmm. understanding emotional intelligence and understanding how your words play a part in the way that you are communicating with your team in the way that your organization is being ran. Yeah. And it's not just the words. It's so funny you say that because just this week I was working with a leader and he told me about a situation that triggered him. And what's interesting is, is that the words that he used weren't necessarily um, inflammatory or anything like that, but it was the tone. It was the tonality. And it mm. was, it was not, you know, humble inquiry. It's, it's really wanting to truly know as opposed yeah. to asking a question for, to, to assign blame, you know, I, yes, and that's, absolutely. that's where I, I think that there's a lot of leaders that may miss that, that we have to be able to get into our mind, this behavior of practicing blameless problem solving and, and, and not, and not being inquiry or inquiring to assign blame, but inquiry so that we can get smarter and grow. Absolutely. And I'm I'm going to play devil's advocate here, though, too, is that leaders feel the need to ask questions that way in defense because mm-hmm. leaders take on this responsibility of the organization. And because yeah. they're not viewing the organization as um, this is us as a team trying to work mm-hmm. towards this goal, it's this is me and you're now attacking me personally. So I'm yeah. going to ask questions in defense of that. Yeah. And so it's trying to help the leaders understand that It's an ugly cycle that society has set for us with this top-down hierarchy, but that they can make that difference by just integrating some of these aspects, by integrating experiential learning, Mm -hmm. uh, humble inquiry, and just intentionally being aware, their tone, the way that they're asking questions, being able to flip that upside down and seek that feedback and receive it well. And mm-hmm. um, they have, they have the choice. They have the power to do that. But I yeah. do know that is not our automatic response as leaders. Our automatic response is, well, this is my responsibility. Therefore I'm going to um, be defensive when it comes to anything I'm doing within it. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind, go back to humble inquiry for just a minute. What's, what are some practical ways that, that leaders can use humble inquiry to be able to really to, to practice that and to really connect, you know, their, their heart and their head. Oh yeah. And it's, it's funny. So Edgar Sheen actually has a book just on this. Okay. And so he actually walks through the different skill sets that's needed and how you do that. But first it takes that bit of humility, right? You have to know I'm going into this conversation and while I want it to go a certain way, that that's not how I have to approach it. Cause then I'm asking questions, seeking a specific answer. And that's not what I want to do. I really want to know. Mm -hmm. And so First, they have to change their mindset. And really, it goes back to that growth mindset. I want to really learn from this conversation. I know that I would prefer to hear this, so I'm going to call that out. But I really want to learn from this conversation. So I'm going to go in with that mindset, knowing that maybe some of the things I learn are not going to be something that I'm going to like to hear. Mm-hmm. And then they start asking questions that are seeking the information mm-hmm. from the people within that room. They're seeking the information, but they're not seeking a specific type of information. Oh, so, yeah. and he he gives uh, lots of examples of questions. Of course, there shouldn't be any yes or no questions or right. one answer questions. Of course, they're all open-ended questions, but it's really how can we evolve as an organization? Mm-hmm. 
what would those steps look like to you? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's even applying it. So sometimes when I'm with um, various organizations and they have all these different departments there, if this decision was made, how would that impact each of your areas separately Mm -hmm. and having them think critically through that so that it's not just a one way, Hey, I would like to make this decision. What do you think? That's them implying, well, I want them to tell me that they think it's a great idea. Right, right. If you're asking, how would this impact your department if this decision was made, then they individually get to think through, okay, in my department, within my role, if this decision was made, these are the things I would have to consider. And Mm -hmm. then they have that open discussion and the leader realizes, I didn't know, I knew that it would impact this part, but I didn't know that it would impact these other things that you're now mentioning. So Mm -hmm. it's going in, really seeking that information and uh, structuring your questions so that that information there, it creates a space for that information to flow. Yeah. You touched on something that I it, it is so powerful and that is the power of questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's one thing that I know about great leaders and that th- is that they ask questions. They ask great questions. And I think that not only do they ask great questions, but they come at it with this this humility of, of really wanting to know because they recognize that they don't have all the answers and they, they can't see everything. Right. And I often you know, use the analogy that, look, I don't have eyes in the back of my head, even though I know moms do, but <laughs> dads don't. <laughs> Funny little joke there. We used to tell our kids, hey, look, mom, mom's got eyes in the back of her head. She sees everything. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> but I, I have blind spots. You know, as a leader, I have blind spots. And so yeah. I really want to know, and I need to I need to see that, even if it it hurts, even if it stings a little bit. And so that's where that humility comes in. And and But asking great questions with the idea of, I just want to know, I think is really critical for all leaders and all companies who want to grow. And yeah. um, I think that's, a, I think that's really important component. No, that's, and you had hit on um, when you said the, I have blind spots, a leader getting up in front of his team and saying, I recognize I have blind spots. Yeah. That is a powerful moment. It is. Yeah, it really is. And you know, it's, it's so funny because I was just with a leader this week and we were doing a, a team launch and I was so proud of him because in this team launch, he basically said to, to his team, hey, look, guys, this is my first role as a, as a manager. I don't have all the answers and I'm sure that I've, I have screwed up and I will screw up again, but I want you to know that I want us to work together as a team. And, and so when I screw up, I need to know about it. And, and man, that kind of humility is going to take a leader a, a long ways. And just the recognition and the awareness is, is I think the, the first step. And there's a difference between being confident and 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 being you know cocky because certain certain oh, leaders yeah. they they think confidence is like look I'm right I'm the leader and and that's not it at all great <laughs> leaders recognize that they don't see it all so I guess that's my point you know but but that ability to to articulate that in front of a team like you were just saying mm-hmm. is really an important moment to build trust within the organization and within yeah, the team. And- Oh, for sure. And it's funny because I can always walk in a room and tell the leaders who are, who have that confidence Uh and then those who are a little bit just cocky. Right. Uh, And it's funny because they, they hold a different 
aura, basically. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of it goes down to those who have confidence, but can, can be humble. They have a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of respect within their organization. And you can tell, you can tell by their interactions. You can tell by their, just their conversations when you walk in the room before any kind of training. Whereas those who maybe think, maybe they don't have the relationships and they just think, well, I make the decisions around here. Um, they don't talk to anybody. They walk yeah. in and sit in their seat and they kind of wait for the training to start. And that's also very recognizable. Yeah. And so it's funny because while you may think that people don't notice Or people assume that, well, he's the leader, so that's why he's sitting over there. No, they're taking note of those who are friendly and confident and humble. And Mm -hmm. they that is super recognizable than those who just come in and say, we just need to do this and we have to do it because the organization expects it or the stakeholders expect it or the board is asking me to do this. Those are two very different leaders and it's very evident within the organization and the members feel it, the clients feel it. And so it's just, it's interesting how just the mannerism in which they present themselves and the way that they conduct their meetings and their conversations and how they have their relationships will impact the culture of that organization. It's just really felt and known. And so it goes back to this idea of why is this important? Well, all of these conversations are important because even if it's not verbally said out loud, it is felt within your organization. If your leader is wanting to have these conversations, bring you into the conversation, build these systems of communication, it is felt whether or not they're on board with that or not. Yeah, so so true, Melanie. Yeah, so I think you know what what I'm hearing today is that really for organizations to grow, we've got to be able to do a couple of things. First and foremost, I think on an individual level, we have to overcome this imposter syndrome and and not just necessarily like dismiss it and quote unquote get rid of it, but but overcome it and and go beyond mm-hmm. it. And and so you gave us some practical tips to to do that. And and then really secondly, Taking time to set aside time to think about these larger issues and communicate, having communication go all the way through the organization and and really being aware of how we receive feedback, how we give feedback, and the emotional intelligence of of myself to be able to to, to do that. And then really, I I think the other key component is just this this idea that you you talked about with uh, Sheen's humble inquiry, being able to ask questions, not with a a leading where I want to, what I want to hear, but really what's the truth and and really Mm -hmm. asking more questions to find the, the depths of the truth. And I don't know. Is there anything else that you you see that really kind of hold back organizations that that we haven't talked about today? Um, I don't think it's anything that holds back, but I think something that all of these things have a theme to them, and it's that theme of intentionality. Yeah, I so agree. It's it's you have to be intentional with yourself, your personal growth, intentional with naming the imposter, intentional mm-hmm. with um, providing spaces for a growth mindset for these yeah. discussions, um, intentional with your systems of communication, intentional yeah. with your relationships within your organization. And so if there's anything that I would want listeners to take away is what are you intentionally doing every day? You know, what are are you in this uh, robotic way of just going and doing the day-to-day, attending your meetings, making sure you're checking off the list of things that need to get done for your organization to run? Mm-hmm. 
Are you creating space for intentionality and what are those intentional things? And take time to prioritize that. I need to be more intentional with getting to know my members or my stakeholders, or I need to be more intentional with creating the space of growth, Mm -hmm. uh, space of dreaming and space of communication, uh, feedback. Like you said, where are we missing that intentionality within my organization? And that is what I really want to challenge organizations today. Yeah, thank you. That's I'm I'm so glad you said that. And I think that for leaders who are listening and and I would really just challenge you to to think what think about what Melanie has has talked about and what we've talked about in this this episode. I'd really love to be able to get your feedback too. What's come to your awareness? Where where are you finding a block in your own organization? You know, sh- shoot a note back and and uh let us know. We'd love to be able to hear that. And um so Melanie, um thank you for the time today. Thank you for, you know, really thinking through these key elements of of growth for organizations because as you know you said we're going to kind of coming beginning to come out on the other side of this pandemic and i know that there's a lot of organizations that are they're thinking okay now we've got a we, we've got lost time to make up for we've got to be able to you know move ahead and we got to move fast and and sometimes it really is going slow to go fast and right. i think there's really some some key to that and and we didn't talk about this, but this just popped into my head. It's really all about what Simon Sinek talks about playing the infinite game, right? It's not necessarily just about bottom line results. It's about continuing to keep playing the game. And um, so thank you for this discussion. This has been great. So tell people, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? And uh, let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you. Sure. So if you go to weadvise.ws. I work with ID8, an advising team, and you can contact me on there. My email's on there. Um, There's some other uh, great colleagues on there that do individual coaching, but I do a lot of team building, experiential learning, training, things like that. And so we advise at WS. And if you go to about or contact, you'd be able to reach me that way. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm assuming you're on LinkedIn, right? So yeah. I think you're, I'm pretty sure you're on LinkedIn. Yeah. So Melanie Texador, and we'll have that in the show notes as well. But uh, thank you so much, Melanie. I appreciate the conversation today. And I really uh, am grateful to have you on the the the, uh, the podcast. So uh, any final words that you'd like to leave the uh, the audience with? No, I just thank you so much for having me. This is fun. I love talking about leadership and organizations and getting to know you and making other connections. And so I really appreciate you having me today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that was such a great conversation. You know, I I really loved the exercise that uh, Melanie talked about about naming the imposter and in reframing it through that that exercise by uh, creating sticky notes of the things that you're great at and putting that over the name of the imposter. And then the other thing that I really thought was insightful as well, and, and it's building in reflection time and, and just the value of, of putting that reflection time in, not only just after exercises like that or experiential learning in an experiential learning environment, but really on a regular basis as a leader, we have to build in reflection time so that we can make sense out of the things that we're, we're seeing, the decisions we're making, the strategy that we're creating, and, and really to be able to help us to be able to think more clearly. The other thing that Melanie said that I thought was really insightful is that organizations are like a body. We need that body to to work together, and and we've got to support each part of the body. And so, when we're supporting each part of the body, and we're keeping each part of the body healthy, 
our organization is going to be healthy as well. I, th- I thought that was really insightful. And then just from a leadership uh, perspective, recognizing and admitting to our blind spots so that we can frankly overcome them, I think is is another uh, a great lesson for uh, leaders to be able to recognize and to openly admit their blind spots. So thank you so much for listening today and, and for, for uh, subscribing. If you haven't subscribed yet, uh, please do go out and subscribe. Uh, to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or, or Spotify or wherever you consume your podcasts. And, and while you're there, please give us a five-star rating and a review. I, I would really appreciate it. It would, it would really mean the world to me and, and, and it'll help us to reach more people so that we can help others grow and develop in their own growth journey. Now, finally, if, if you've already done that and if, you, if, if you've subscribed, go to my website, davidmcglennon.com forward slash subscribe, and I've got a gift for you. So if you subscribe to the podcast, go to my website, davidmcglennon.com slash subscribe, and you'll be able to download my Peak Performance Principles audio program. It's a a program that has 10 audio recordings of different principles for personal growth and personal development, and I hope you enjoy them. And until next time, stay in the growth space and be well. Thank you.